Welcome to Athletes and Artists, the podcast with Cassandra, Brittany, and Jillian. Hang out and get to know our featured athletes and artists. Today, we have guest athlete and artist, Corey Stearns, principal dancer with American Ballet Theater and passionate golfer. Corey, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in dance? What's your backstory? I was, I think when I was three or four years old, my mother put my brother and sister into dance because she wanted her children in some kind of uh, disciplined endeavor. And so she did some research and I'm from Long Island. And I guess what she found was the best or most disciplined endeavor she could find that was somewhat nearby was this ballet school um, that was pretty well regarded. At that time, now Long Island has a whole bunch of pretty elite training programs, I think for hockey, uh, for lacrosse, for tennis. Mm -hmm. Um, but at that time, I'm not sure that was the case. Anyway, I think also she has a bias. She wanted us to be in something artistic. Uh, she mm -hmm. loves it, but she had no experience with dance herself. So she brought my brother and sister um, to the school, and my brother and sister would come home, and I was so curious about what they were doing, and I kind of come from a very competitive background. I'm probably inherently competitive just because a lot of my family members are. My uncle was on the satellite tour in Europe for tennis. Um, my dad was a sprinter in high school and um, biker. Um, and so I guess it's just, it's just in my blood, but also I had uh, my brother who was three years older than I was, he was not with us anymore. Um, he was extremely competitive. And so I think he and I shared a room and so it kind of rubbed off on me and we'd always compete with each other. So that just kind of goes into when they would come home from, from the ballet class, I would always ask them, what did they learn? And they would show me and then I'd be like, I can do that. And I, that was just whole, my whole approach at the time. Um, more of a competitive edge than any kind of interest in being an artist. I don't think I even knew what that meant at the time. Um, and so when I was five, when I turned five, my mother started bringing me as well. And that's kind of how I got into it. She, she kind of, that was my uh, extracurricular activity in addition to traveling soccer and I was on the baseball team for school and all this kind of stuff. Um, but that required the most time commitment. It was an hour's drive for my mom. So I think she felt like if she was going to do that for any number of years, then she wanted to see how far we could get with it. <laughs> yeah. She, oh, yeah. She was kind of, she was more casual about my interest in the sports, but she was pretty serious about my dedication to ballet. So I did actually want to quit ballet for a long time, for many years. Yeah. It was too disciplined for me. I was too... Uh, I say ADD, I might actually be ADD, I'm not sure. Um, but it was just, it was too strict, too structured at the time. Mm. Um, and so I, I, I wanted to quit quite a few times, but she would not let me. And then there were, there was an age, I think like 10, 9, 10, where she started offering. She said, if you want to quit, we can, you can quit. But there was always a girl I had a crush on and it just like worked <laughs> out until I was 11 when I really started to appreciate it. So that's really how I began and stayed with it. Nice. Did, your, did wow. your siblings stick with it that long or did they kind of fade out? My brother faded out pretty quickly. I think he stopped when he was um, 10 or 11. Mm. Uh, he wanted to, I'm not sure why he was, he, it may have been some, because we were both ridiculed in school for it. Um, not our elementary school, but when we moved to middle school, we both were. And he was not as tolerant of that as I was. Yeah. Uh, and I, so, so I think that bothered him. And then he, he was just, 
he just didn't see the value in it. I think he just wanted to do sports and stuff. My sister did say it, stay in it until she was a senior in high school. Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like that ridicule is like something that you hear a lot, especially in your particular line, like being a, a, you know, a ballet dancer. I just feel like that's a common thing that you come across. Absolutely. Have Have you felt that just like when you were younger or like, has that been an ongoing thing? You know, it has not. Um, I find, I mean, I'm in New York as well. Yeah, so where it's, yeah, it's like that, it's such a tolerant epicenter and uh, people appreciate the arts in, in the city um, and they respect them. So as an adult, I have not felt that sort of um, ridicule, but, you know, as a, as a child, of course, because there's just, also, if you think about the homophobic uh, undertones in society, this was, mm-hmm. I guess, the 90s, earlier 90s. I mean, they have progressed dramatically, I right. think. Kids are just mean too, right? Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, they judge you for anything. So I, they never felt, I don't think anyone actually considered whether I was a homosexual or not. That wasn't even about that. It was just something that they could ridicule me for. And um, the fact that I was wearing tights. And also another big deal was that I, I started missing like sports practices because of ballet and that really rubbed mm-hmm. people the wrong way. Cause then I wasn't part of the group and, and, uh, but it never bothered me. Honestly, it never bothered me that much, but I, it is, it is a problem because there are kids that really suffer from it. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for someone going through that right now? Yeah, it's, that's so difficult. Um, because also the severity of it depends on the people you're with. I was in a small school, I had like a hundred kids in my class and I would say, I don't know, 10 of them would give me a hard time, but it never, it was never threatening physically. Like I was never physically bullied or harassed. It was always just verbal. And I just knew that they were antagonizing me. But I think there are people who are gay and who are teased for their interest in the arts, ballet or not, or ice skate, anything really. And I think the most important thing is that they have a support system. I don't think anyone from under 18 years old even, even as old as 16 and 17, should be dealing with that alone. So I think it's Mm -hmm. vital that they have someone to talk to, whether it's their parents or some kind of counselor or friends that'll support them. Everybody needs something to, um, someone to support them in order to get through that situation. Absolutely, absolutely. When did you start golfing? Eight years ago. Wow. How did you get into that? Um, so I was at Vail. Uh, I was in Vail, Colorado, because they have a, every year they have an annual uh, dance festival. And Vail is, I don't know if you guys have ever been to Vail. No. It's, it's like, it's ridiculous. I it's heard, yeah. Such a manicured, wealthy, little oasis in the mountains Mm. and i mean there are a few of those in colorado but for sure vale is one of the most seemingly um privileged areas to live just like in the summers it's different in the winter but in the summers every single year they obviously have many gardeners that work there and it just mulched perfectly there are no weeds anywhere the flowers are gorgeous and blooming i mean it's just it's like it's amazing Christine. Yeah. Um, so that kind of goes along with the golf courses there. Um, and the Vail Golf Club is right next to 
right next to Vale Village. So you can walk there. And I remember a friend of mine who was dancing in the festival as well, was like, let's just go and have a round. And so we did. And I had not played, I don't know, in two years or something. I would play once a year, maybe with my father, my uncle, and I'd score 130. And that was with cheating. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I, and I played and it's just, it was one of those days where you just have beginner's luck sometimes and you're swinging and I was swinging tight. I wasn't loose. And so I probably scored 105, which was amazing at the time. And uh, I also was aware of how the ball was traveling much farther. I, didn't, I probably didn't know that it was because of the altitude because it's at like 8,000 feet, that course. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that course is in a valley be- right next to I-70, which is that main highway that goes through. But there are places in the course we don't really hear the cars, but the mountains you see at all times. And so there were snow-capped mountains and wow. the ball was flying everywhere. It was a beautiful day. And for some reason, this idea hit me. I thought, imagine I could actually control where this ball went at all times. If I had the skill to put this ball wherever I want. <laughs> and for some reason, that, to a lot of people, that sounds totally ridiculous. Like, who cares? No, um, it's not ridiculous. <laughs> actual doing it is the hard part. <laughs> <laughs> so just that idea and, and to be in such a beautiful setting because I, I also, I, for some reason, I have this appreciation of grass. I don't know what it is, but I, not, not marijuana, just grass. Like, I love, <laughs> I think it's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. That's and, funny. That's so ironic that you yep. live in the city because, like, do you ever find any grass to appreciate in there? No, but I am actually... <laughs> gonna grow my own little plot of grass during this pandemic you, that's, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> I love it I love it so yeah just that idea and then after that I um like I'm maybe within the year I moved out of New York City because I was living near Times Square and I moved to Jersey mm-hmm. City um into a building that had a golf simulator and oh, so wow. since then cool. I'm in there probably on average three times a week besides the last month um and I work on my swing a lot that's awesome. That's a cool, that's a really cool story. Do you ever go back to Vail for the festival and like go to that golf, golf course? Most every year. Yeah. I've been, uh, I don't know, six times maybe. And I'm going back again this year. So I, whenever I, I play that course, it always is a little nostalgic. It brings back memories. Reminds me of why I caught the bug. Yeah. Does anything relate between ballet and golf? Like, I don't know, maybe there's like some sort of technique. Yeah. So what do you think? So, um, so much, actually, it's crazy. A lot of it. (laughs) I wouldn't think that. It's funny. I know. Um, To be honest, taking up golf has helped my career as as a dancer. It's it's crazy. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Um, And a lot of that is mental. Um, Most of the, some of it is physical. So I guess I'll go over the physical stuff first because that there's less relation to that. Um, obviously in ballet, you're supposed to be turned out and you're always supposed to be pulled up and there's a presentation, you know, to present yourself really in any sports. Um, so the positions are very different, but still every sport has a technique and golf, I think has technique is everything in golf. Um, Mm. and so just that idea of training your muscles to feel a certain thing in order to, um, gain consistency and and repetition is very similar to like pirouettes and ballet pirouettes is turning turning Mm -hmm. is something that i would say is one of the most difficult things to do under pressure on stage which is another similarity to golf in that when you're by yourself in your yard or i'm in my living room and i'm chipping 
uh, it's so easy. And then you get on the course under pressure and whether there's other people there or not, if you're, if it's meaningful to you to score well, just that little bit of pressure changes how you physically operate. You know, it, all of a sudden your heart beats a little faster. Um, your muscles get a little more tense. You have some adrenaline. So these are qualities that are very similar in golf and in ballet. And just like in golf, because it is such a precise sport, if you are off by a centimeter, that's the difference between a shank or a well-struck shot or a chunk where you hit the ground first, you know, or a blade. So it's just so precise. And it's the same thing in dance. You really have to be so precise. And it's funny going from school to a professional company and getting on stage and starting to um, be cast in principal leading roles. And I was always like a very natural turner growing up. And then I, when I started getting principal roles and was dancing them on stage, suddenly I couldn't turn well. And it took me years. I kind of had to retrain my entire ballet technique uh, in order to withstand pressure and anxiety, the stress you get from performing in front of 4,000 people. So when I took up golf, I started recognizing how similar it was because when you stand over the, do you, I don't know if you, any of you guys play golf at all. I've tried, but it's so yeah. sad. It's so sad. Okay. <laughs> Those chunks or whatever you're saying, it's like, yeah. that's what's going on. Right. <laughs> and so it's so, it's funny because um, if you talk to any golfer, it, it's such a different scenario when you're on the driving range and you can, anyone can play on the driving range, but when you're standing over your shot in the fairway and you're counting score and I can't even imagine a tournament situation when it means a great deal more, but suddenly you, you have no feel like your feel disappears. All that feel that you have in rehearsals or you have on the driving range where you can just, you're like, Oh my God, I have this in my body. It's so easy. It disappears. And suddenly you have to rely on your knowledge, on your, on your technical knowledge of how to approach that swing. Or for me on stage, when I'm in a preparation for a pirouette, I don't, I, I don't have that confidence that I'm about to do a perfect pirouette. Because it, again, later on in the performance, when you're warmed up and you're used to being on stage, the same thing in golf, when you're on like 11th, 12th hole, you're used to being out there and you're much more comfortable. But in the beginning, it's like that. It's like you just, you have to rely on this technique. And so when I started playing golf, you know, they kind of, they helped each other mm. as I started recognizing that it's probably the same in most endeavors in life that, that are at an elite level, that people probably go through that, that, you know, it changed the way I view professional athletes when I see them on TV. And I started to understand just recognizing how I felt on stage, um, how they feel and how it's a, just a different ball game when you're under pressure. Mm. Not. Right. Are so there, there other ways you deal with it? Like in ballet, when you're going on stage, do you have like rituals? It's, that's fun. That's a good question. Um, because I think everybody kind of develops their own personal techniques for dealing with anxiety and stress. And you kind of, I think for the privileged few, they can hire a life coach or a, a mental coach. That's, that's kind of become a more popular thing now. A lot of these guys are, especially in, in golf, like Bob Rotella, they're writing these books that, that help people uh, help them develop these mental fundamentals like checklists that they go through to be able to cope with the extra chemicals running through their body, the adrenaline and all that. But it's funny because I didn't know anything about this. I don't think this was even a thing 10 years ago even, or it was, but it was kind of more for the more knowledgeable or wealthier bunch. 
But when I read his book recently, a couple of years ago, all these things that he was describing, like this mental zone you have to get in, um, clearing your mind, staying focused, were all things that I had to learn through trial and error. Um, and so I would say half of developing your technique for coping with stress is through trial and error. You just have to do it. You have to go through that and you have to fail a few times. It just has to happen. I think it's actually, even if there was a student I would, and I told them what to do, that it's impossible for that student to understand what the feeling is like until they actually go through it. And it's, and it's very rare that they would just immediately latch on to what I'm talking about. So there were years when I, people told me like someone, one dancer, he said, just blank your mind and just go for it. Just when you get on stage and you have that variation, don't even think about anything and just, just use the energy to just blow through it. I remember trying it. It was horrible. It like, <laughs> yeah. I my mind out of it. I like, I lost, there's a very important aspect of ballet called plie. And that's the way dancers use their legs to absorb landings from jumps or taking off from jumps. It's very important in dance. Like if I just show you quickly here, if you dance without plie, it's like that. And if you mm -hmm. use plie, it adds a whole element and makes it, it makes it look much more effortless. Mm -hmm. And when I, tried that guy's approach, I like lost my plie completely. So I was way God. more than I should have been halfway through the variation. And it ended up oh, wow. being horrible, like a horrible thing, but that worked for him. Right. So my right. point is that, so like, so over the years, um, pretty much for what works for me is if I really, it's, it sounds general, but I focus on minute details. And that, what that does is it takes my focus away from the situation I'm, on, I'm in. It takes my focus away from the fact that there are critics in the house. And then there are people that might be for the first time at the ballet and they might have spent more money than they could afford. All these things that the fact that my entire company is behind me and they're relying on me leading the performance. Um, so there are so many reasons to feel pressure when you're dancing on stage. And what you do is I think about in the rehearsals how my coach will tell me in a certain in a certain part the way i'm doing a step that's what's really great about dance is that you're telling a story even if it's abstract it's there's still a kind of an expression in it and mm -hmm. if you focus on the human part of it on you're expressing an emotion you're telling you're saying something to somebody all of a sudden it takes the pressure off of completing that move physically it like it, you don't have to make that move perfect. You don't have to do something perfect because that's not the idea. The idea is making somebody feel something. So making your movement evocative. Right. And there's a, there's a, it might not be obvious for a lot of people, but I could show you a distinct difference between doing something technically and doing something uh, emotionally. And um, so that for me is what has really allowed me even when there is an opening night gala for the spring season at the Met, when I'm feeling a lot of pressure, right before I go on stage, I go into my character, I get very focused about what I have to do, what my goals are, and then I just put all of my energy into doing that. And that has taken so long, so long to develop because for years, I would have that idea to do that and I'd get on stage and suddenly I would, like, it, I would be overwhelmed. But really sticking to it, over the years has allowed me to now shift my focus to telling the story over trying to be technically perfect. And that has allowed me to cope with stress. That right. was a very long answer. I apologize. <laughs> no, but you got yeah. your point across. Like I totally understand like feeling mm -hmm. connecting with people. I, yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah.
which is different with sports you don't you can't really do that it's like yeah totally different i agree yeah so in golf it's like for me there's no story to tell but i focus on the process and focusing on the process and not being result oriented i think is the is the real key to performing well in sports so for you is golf more just like a hobby it's just more for fun it's just like a a nice time away or do you you mean you said you were competitive so like yeah that's a good idea it's like (laughs) away but then you get into it it's more than a hobby for me it's like if i i have a filthy mouth if i'm not playing well i will berate myself to no end um and i can't really help it's like yeah it I expect a lot. I expect just as much of myself in the golf course as I do as a performer. I have a little bit more tolerance um, for not for the result not being as good because I have obviously have not been training for as long. But in terms of my approach, if I lose my focus for a second or I do a shot because I haven't approached that shot the way I know I'm supposed to, I will be infuriated. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's more than a hobby. It's like a it's like a second passion, I guess. Yeah, but the competitive still is there. You're still yeah. broken <laughs> clubs. <laughs> no. No? <laughs> Fortunately, I think that, that there's a certain discipline, I think, that goes along with preventing yourself from losing control. Right. And so I will allow myself to vent. And sometimes I get to the point where I'm so frustrated. I, like, I, can, I understand the feeling of wanting to throw your clubs, but it'll, that's when I'm like, this is, you're getting ridiculous, and, and I can prevent that from happening. So I don't, I don't do that, but uh, (laughs) I do care very much about how I perform on the golf course for sure. That's funny. That might be something that attributes to ballet, like your control, like you have such control over your body and so you have like certain control over certain things. Do you know what I mean? And and then like that might play in as well too, like weird. Absolutely. Control of how you, that's the thing is that a lot of your thoughts are subconscious. Of course you have no control over that, but that split millisecond where a thought comes into your mind that can distract you or take you down a negative pathway. Like that's something I've been dealing with in my career where if I do something poorly on stage immediately, I will want, I'll comment on it mentally. I'll say that was not good. And just saying that half second sentence takes me away from doing my next step. So it's mm-hmm. totally uh, right. detrimental to my ability to be present and being, ex- being expressive on stage. So they definitely tie together because if I am on the golf course and I suddenly lose control and want to throw my club and all that, that ties into me being a performer and having to move on to the next step and stay present. So I, it, the mental control is, is required. That's so interesting. I love that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Want to rapid definitely. fire? Rapid yeah. fire time. Okay. All right. These are slightly silly, slightly informative. Um, answer the first thing that comes to mind. All right. <laughs> Here we go. I'm so excited. Okay. So the first one, my life motto is. Oh my gosh. So they're not that easy. (laughs) Yeah. That's my life motto. I would say constantly developing to be better than I was a second ago. My full length ballet about golf would be called. That's a good question. Holy cow. (laughs) That I choreographed or that's already choreographed. Oh, you can choreograph this one. So this would be a new ballet? Yes, yeah. you created it about golf. Yeah, I just call it golf. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, inspired by? Um, two dancers 
growing up, and that would be Jose Cranio and Anthony Dowell. Nice. This is my dog. Oh, puppy. <laughs> hey, puppy. Oh, oh my God, so Aww. cute. What's your dog's name? Uh, Riley. He's, oh, yeah. cutie. My girlfriend just got back from walking him, so. Oh, okay, it. ready? My yeah. go-to stress reliever is? Golf. That was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> um, favorite healthy habit? Golf. <laughs> I that? love it. And stretching. I'd say stretching. I love stretching. <laughs> she just comes to high. This is my, this is my girlfriend, Devin. She's watching her hands. Hello! Hi! <laughs> she looks like she's in the middle of washing her hands. She's like, <laughs> Okay, uh, next one. My go-to quarantine workout is? Uh, running stairs. Ooh, okay. Ooh! I like that. In your, like, complex? I live on the 46th floor of my building. <laughs> I have a lot of stairs to climb. Uh, and so every day I, that's what I do. I do like five sets of stairs and I run like eight flights at a time. And it's just, it's very comparable to how I would do a variation in ballet where you, you do a burst of energy, you release a burst of energy and then you have a little bit of time to rest. And then you do that. Mm -hmm. It's not like cardiovascular and that you do it continuously. It's more anaerobic. So that's a, that's a good exercise for me. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when not working, you can find me. On the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, this is a silly one. Your spirit animal. Good question. Um, wow. <laughs> I don't know. That's so difficult. Oh, man. <laughs> it could be anything. It could be your dog, Riley. <laughs> <laughs> referencing a poodle but I don't, I don't i don't know it's that's something like a cheetah with more wisdom or a trying cheetah. to okay more intellectual a wise cheetah i like it what about your dream golf course so i my favorite golf course right now is riviera country club which is like basically the perfect for me an amazing course but of course i would you know love to play the main Augusta and uh, Pine Valley and stuff like that. Right, all the famous ones. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice. And lastly, to me, being an athlete and artist means? It just means pursuing excellence physically while uh, pursuing a way to express myself to the public and tell my story and, and, and create an atmosphere for the audience where they can feel something inspirational emotionally. Oh, I love that. I love that. Great. Oh my gosh, this was so much fun. Corey, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Listeners, you can find Corey on Instagram at Corey underscore Stearns. S-T-E-A-R-N-S. Yes? That's it. Yes. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the interview. Follow us on our social media at Cassandra Lacey, at NY Choreographer, at Embracing underscore the Fire Within, and of course, at Athletes Artists. Thanks for listening and be sure to rate and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. See you next week.